Hello, welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, Child Development Nurse Practitioner and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer, introducing the new podcast, which is the place for moms to find encouragement, hope, and inspiration, where we're supporting moms in the trenches of motherhood. You will receive practical tips and strategies to address the developmental needs of your children with a positive parenting perspective in mind. Here at Moms Changing the World, we are moms on the journey of changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Hello and welcome to Moms Changing the World. This is your host, Akua Walker, nurse practitioner, parent coach, and CEO, Chief Encouragement Officer here in season four. So excited to be able to bring you yet another incredible interview. And actually, this will be our first panel for the podcast. So I'm excited to, to be able to share what these you know, two incredible women have for us today. As we come into our, our year, you know, the year is rolling in and there have been so many, you know, expected and some unexpected aspects of 2022 already. But as I shared previously, our theme is overflow. And for us as moms, I'm excited for this to be a year of overflow where we are taking in and taking on, you know, what comes our way with peace with grace uh, and the confidence that we need in order to replenish ourselves as well as we then overflow the best of what we have, the best of who we are onto our children, our families, and the community around us. Today, our emphasis is going to be around supporting our children academically. And that has been quite an interesting journey ever since the pandemic started. And so I thought this would be a perfect way to you know, help begin this season by bringing in this conversation around education and education support for our primarily school age and pre-college students. So I have two incredible women who are joining me this morning, the first being Helen Panos. She is an accomplished educator, instructional specialist with over 25 years of experience in a public school system and began her K-12 nationwide tutoring business, Dynamis Learning Academy, six years ago to help children reach their potential. She listens to what parents need and matches them with the right type of a tutor, and this tutor helps customize a program that will motivate and move the child forward in their academics with ease. Tutors within Dynamis have various specialties and can tutor virtually at home or in the library. And with that flexibility, we definitely need that in the season that we are in. She has degrees as a BBA, master's in education and educational specialist in administration and supervision, and holds a variety of certificates, including gifted education, as, and has several years of experience with gifted teaching, curriculum design, RTI. SST, and managing Section 504 plans, which is something I'm sure we'll be touching on for those children who need the supports and may not qualify for a full special education plan. Helen also has her own Facebook, where she does Facebook Lives and podcasts on the Dynamis Learning Academy Facebook page. And she'll tell us more about the different ways that she supports children and families with their academics. We also have 
a mom friend of mine joining us as well, Amy Kay, and she is joining us as an empathetic coach, workshop facilitator, and mom of two twice exceptional tweens. Uh, I love that Amy found her passion as a career coach kind of mid-career after a journey to discover her own life's work and now uses a very empathetic and passionate methodology to coach her own clients. She empowers her clients to recognize and own their unique gifts and talents so that they can discover a career that aligns with their potential and purpose. She works with high school and college students looking for direction early in their academic life, as well as mid-careerists seeking to discover their own um, passion and purpose. As a mom of two gifted sons with ADHD, Amy has an appreciation for the combination of strengths and challenges that make each child unique. Amy has been an advocate for her children in the educational system as they navigate the often confusing system of diagnoses, IEPs, 504s, and classroom accommodation um, and specialists, and now advises other parents as they begin their own journey. Pre-pandemic, she volunteered as an elementary school art instructor and is eager to return into the classroom. Amy holds uh, an MBA from Santa Clara University and is certified as a UMAP coach and also was a fellow uh, Stanford University bachelor's. And we didn't overlap there, or I didn't meet her there, I should say. I think we did overlap a a couple of years, but I vividly remember meeting her a few years later as we were married and have our young children. And Amy's actually been a special part of my mom tribe since almost the very beginning. Our children also overlapped in uh, school, preschool um, and elementary for a bit as well, too. So um, welcome, mom. Welcome both of you. And I know, you know, Helen is not a mom, but she's worked and coached so many parents and families and so brings, you know, that expertise, you know, to the table. And I'm so excited to welcome both of you. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Sakua. Great to be here. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought I would, you know, have you just share um, each of you just a little bit about kind of what your life looks like these days, kind of the nutshell, given (laughs) that uh, things are changing every day. Um, but, you know, as you know, you're juggling, you know, a variety of things, um, it helps to kind of give a, a small picture of what uh, what things look like. So maybe, Helen, why don't you start with a, a quick kind of introduction of what your life is like these days? Um, so definitely constantly um, shifting. <laughs> so with schools going back, you know, in person, sometimes they're virtual here in Atlanta. I'm actually in Atlanta, Georgia. I yeah. should say that. And. You know, here in Atlanta, they started off virtually this semester and now they're back in person. So, of course, we know the variants around and kids are sick. So, you know, balancing the tutoring with, you know, they're going to get behind. Of course, there's been gaps showing up quite a bit. I'm getting a lot of phone calls for from parents and I, I really feel for families because it's a constant change constant like a (laughs) merry-go-round um so i'm i'm feeling it too as a company that deals with families um so i definitely have a lot of grace and compassion for that and uh definitely um i usually have a 24-hour cancellation policy i usually waive that just to give them Mm. grace they don't need one more thing to have to deal with so we Mm. we are pretty busy doing it in person and virtually yeah it's incredible that, you know, you're, you're able to kind of navigate all of that with, with flexibility in, in this time. Mm-hmm. I bet they appreciate it. Good. And what about you, Amy? 
in, at home, uh, we've kind of settled into uh, our new routine, which looks more like pre-pandemic um, than it did last year. Last year, doing Zoom school was a massive challenge for us, but we figured our way through it. This year, our kids are in person, but masked. And honestly, I think the kids are better at masking than some adults are. Um, <laughs> They're just used to it now. <laughs> right. Way of life. <laughs> and so we're just we're just rolling with it. Every week, yeah. you know, something new is coming back from the schools. After we came back from break, we've been getting so many alerts on a daily basis of, of positive exposures. So we have backup plans, you know, should our kids become uh, mm. uh, positive. Um, mm. But otherwise, just sort of what does each week bring and just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Where are we strong? Where, where do we need some additional support? This is also our first year navigating middle school. So what does that look like and how that's different from elementary? Um, yeah. You know, generally we're doing well, but, you know, there's there's always something. And it's, you know, week by week, day by day, there's always <laughs> something new happening. Exactly. Exactly. Like you said, you have to learn how to kind of roll with it and be ready come what may. So that's that's great. That's great. Good. And yes, you know, we're in a similar stage, you know, Amy and I, as far as the levels that our children are at. and so. We too here in the Bay Area are having to to juggle and navigate and make sure that everybody stays safe in the midst of all that. And I so, want to add, um, I love middle school. That's my certification. And <laughs> oh, I did 21 of my 25 years, Amy, in, in middle school. So I love sixth graders. That's my favorite. Oh, um, that's awesome. So if you ever need anything, give me a call. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. I, I think you can probably encourage a lot of us who are in that in that mode <laughs> right now. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, given the changes that education is going through, you know, since the start of the pandemic, you know, where can a parent start in seeking support, you know, when a child is struggling, you know, in school? And maybe we'll start with you, Helen, on that one. I would say the first place to go to always is the teacher. <laughs> and even as a tutoring company, I many times if I hear the struggles going on and on and I'm like getting kind of what I see as a clearer picture, I'll ask the parent to connect me to the classroom teacher mm, through email. Great. So they great. the parent has to give permission to do that. And, and a lot of times I'm on several emails right now um, mm. or my tutors are if they're the ones tutoring. But I do some tutoring myself as well then I will jump on because I see one thing when I'm tutoring or my tutors see one thing and we're like, okay, what are, what are the teachers seeing? So first place to go to is your teacher. Just did that with a new person that's joining us in, in next weekend. And I asked her to email the teacher and find out exactly what was going on there. Because <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. maybe a lot of parents can't go in for a conference, but I would definitely suggest if you immediately see something going on, you definitely need to ask for a conference. There are virtual conferences too, mm -hmm. definitely, which is great. Then the next place I would say is if you can't get very far with the teacher is go to the assistant principal or the head of that grade level, if it's middle mm -hmm. school, high school. Or I don't know what they call them in California, but maybe CSTs, whoever is underneath mm -hmm. the principal. And then mm -hmm. a counselor, depending on if it's an emotional, mental health type of thing or, you know, that could be affecting their academics. That that a counselor can definitely help. They know a lot about 504s and IEPs as well. And mm -hmm. of course, a tutor. I mean, all else fails, you, you need to look outside. Do not let things just keep rolling and rolling. Things don't usually just disappear. 
by themselves. Right, <laughs> they just compound right. normally. So, right. or an adult at home, if adults have time and, and have the strategies and the skills to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And, you know, to explain for those who don't know what some of these terms are, you know, in my work as a nurse practitioner in child development, um, I'm supporting families all the time where there's, you know, learning diversity going on, neurodiversity and, uh, and so on. And so the IEP, which many people have heard of, you know, stands for Individualized Education Plan. And that is the kind of special education agreement that uh, schools uh, engage in through assessment and then a plan to provide special education services to children, you know, who qualify with a variety of, of eligibility categories, depending on, you know, the state and, and the, um, the area. And so children often need to be, you know, significantly um, struggling, maybe a year, maybe two years behind to qualify for an IEP. And so if children are not, you know, meeting the eligibility in that way after they've been assessed, then we encourage families to explore the SST process, which, you know, Helen was mentioned, right? So that there can be a student success team that comes together to really try to strategize around what is going on for the child. And out of that can often come the 504. So another, these are tied to laws and kind of addendums to laws and things that offer, you know, free and appropriate education for children. So maybe they don't qualify for a full IEP, but they do, they can, there can be accommodations that are added in a written format to between the teacher, the school, the child, the parent, such that the child can still see a great level of success. I smile because education world is full of acronyms. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we can't assume that everybody yes, right. knows what they all mean. So yes, thank you for that. And so then Amy, why don't you tell us too about, you know, especially, you know, given your, you know, some experience that you've had in your own family, you know, wh- you know, where did you start and how did you begin your process to navigate when you identify changes in your child? Yeah. Yeah. And with my kids, it was early. It was, you know, four or five years old. And so what I would say as a mom to moms or parents is that, you know, your child best. I remember my pediatrician telling us that when when the baby was three weeks old and (laughs) listen, listen to your intuition, you know, your child best, which can be a little terrifying as a parent. Um, But you know your child and where they're struggling and where they're succeeding just by observing them and, and being with them. And so maybe it's just that they need a shoulder to, to, to lean on. Maybe they need advice with routines or doing schoolwork and you can be their safe place. And so you can help them empower themselves to kind of move forward. But sometimes, you know, it's not, we need help outside the home. And so I love Helen's advice about going to the teacher next. You really want to partner with your teacher. They see their, your child academically all day long. You see them at home. This sort of classroom home partnership is so important. And then depending on the age of your child, like at the elementary level, it's really the parent leaning in, working with uh, the administration at the school. At the middle school level, it's a bit of a mix, right? I'm working with the teachers and the, what they call the the case owner. And in most cases, Mm -hmm. it is the principal who's responsible for making sure that your child has the accommodations they need. But then it's also empowering my middle schooler to go talk to his teacher when he's falling behind, when he mm-hmm. needs assistance. And it's starting to hand that responsibility over to him in mm-hmm. some ways. And sometimes you even need more support than that. And so that's when you go to your pediatrician and you say, 
I'm noticing something. What do you think they can often refer to specialized services? Mm-hmm. Um, that was the route that we took to get diagnoses for both of our children. Um, and sometimes the child needs a third party, somebody who's not their parent, somebody's not even their teacher. Maybe they need a therapist or a counselor to work through some issues or to build some of those skills that they're struggling with. So like, it really yeah. is a village and we need to lean in on like not only at home, but at school and at the community. How can we support our children together? Each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's great because it does take all these different perspectives. You know, you find that there's, you know, the parent perspective, the teacher perspective, the child's perspective, right? And so then in, you know, as a specialist that, as you mentioned, families will often, you know, get sent to, to me to kind of help assess and help navigate. It's bringing all of those perspectives together in a way that then, you know, hopefully, yeah, right, clarifies, shines a light on, makes more obvious, you know, what is going on so that, and then, then prioritizes, right, what can and should happen for the child in order to, like you said, help them, you know, reach their potential. So great. You know, you mentioned already that, you know, children are so diverse and I, you know, I know even as a parent, I have two daughters and they're so different in their style and their learning preferences and their interests. And, you know, so in one family with the same parents, you know, you have this, you know, this kind of night and day that can happen. And so then, and you know, you've mentioned, we t- talked about the term twice exceptional, which Amy, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. But just overall, how can we identify, you know, what our children's needs are for their optimal learning, you know, right now, you know, whatever season or stage they're in? I really think that that was a gift of COVID is that we were able to sort of be in the classroom with the child when they were doing school virtually. You know, previously we sent them off to school and we saw what papers came home and if we got an email from the teacher and that was our only window into the classroom. But so last year, sitting side by side with my children while they were in Zoom school, I could see where, like in real time, what was going on with each of them. Twice Exceptional describes kids that are both gifted yet have a learning difference. So both of my kids have uh, learning differences with their ADHD, but they are both academically quite smart. So we had to figure out what accommodations they needed for my middle school. He was a a fifth grader last year. We needed the teacher to be okay with sometimes he needs to turn his camera off and get up and move around a bit. Um, Sometimes he needed a fidget toy, Uh, but we also needed to keep an eye to make sure that he wasn't popping over to a web browser and getting lost on the internet when he was supposed to be in class. Um, But What? That happens? I, I had no idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, look like, they look like they're engaged, but it's because they're reading their uh, their web screens and not, um, <laughs> not the teacher. Um, and once we put some of those structures in place, like he did pretty well. But for my other child, who was a third grader at the time, and he has an IEP, we started early, he had a speech delay. And so he was at the elementary school getting speech support from age four when he was still in preschool. And then that moved to reading support. And now he's in writing support. So the support carries on as he builds those skills and then moves forward into the next stage. But his attempt, he could not concentrate. Like Zoom was not the modality for him for school. And so when I talked about uh, turning to an expert, we ended up hiring a tutor to to come to our house five five hours a day, five days a week to sit alongside my children 
when the third grade teacher would say, okay, everybody get out your math homework. She was there with him. Where's your math homework? Okay, let's turn to page 12. Okay, do you know the answer to that question? Raise your hand to give him that support that he needed so that he could learn, so that he could participate. So it's it's really getting to know your child, partnering with the people who are working with them most, the teacher, like we talked about before, but finding the supports that they need, whether it's formally through an IEP or a 504, or whether it's just the structures that you build in your home, that homework happens at a certain time of day, that we build those routines so that they get really comfortable with it. Children with ADHD often have executive functioning delays and need the supports of routines and checklists to keep them moving forward. And then they know what's expected of them and they can make those transitions really easily. So that was the journey that we went on. And you know, we're still on the journey. Every year, school looks different. And it's just figuring out what new accommodations and structures we need to put in place with them uh, to keep them moving forward successfully. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, this one of the themes for the podcast as well is that that, you know, the neurodiversity, which can include and encompass so many different things. So we have ADHD, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder. We have you know, autism that can be a part of the neurodiversity. We have giftedness that can be a part of that, that diversity. And so, yes, thank you for kind of bringing in, you know, how, you know, for your family, you know, that the diversity was starting to look. Helen, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the kind of the teacher tutor perspective mm-hmm. that you approach diversity with? So I definitely want to say I'm glad that Amy brought up pediatricians because, for instance, I just had a conversation with a parent this week that was referred to me. Definitely sounds like the child has ADHD. Could even a lot of times parents need to realize, too, that normally it's more than one thing. They usually come in at least twos. So ADHD, I I mean, I'm not a, a doctor, but I I've sat in so many 504 meetings, hundreds of them. And I've heard and, and seen things for 25 plus years that if I was to pinpoint this child, she might have ADHD and dyscalculia because she's having a hard time getting going with multiplication and getting taking just too long to get her, her problems done. But another thing parents need to be aware of is when I'm talking to this parent is this teacher had given this child 20 and this is a private school. So private schools are a little different. Um, <laughs> so they, this teacher had given 20 math problems to this child. Woo! That, I, I think I'd go into a blank too. <laughs> and, you know, the teacher doesn't have to narrow that down because there are no accommodations yet. Right. So I don't think the parents had even thought about going to the pediatrician, but I want to bring that up for sure here, because that is a number one person that people do not think about talking to things about is your your child's doctor. Yes. And it may lead to other people after that, because he may see that maybe you need a psychologist or psychiatrist or something else. But all these support people, there's so many support people that like when we were probably growing up, there weren't really any of these people. But I do want to bring up that if they're showing gaps, especially it's been two years, right, since COVID began, Mm-hmm. Now is uh, where I'm seeing a lot more high schoolers are starting to show up gaps. Here's an example. If you're taking physics in 11th grade, you probably need a good algebra foundation from mm-hmm. ninth grade. Ninth grade was two years ago, right? So that's starting to show up now. So mm-hmm. you really have to keep an eye on 
where are your kids doing? What are they doing? You know, are they falling behind? Why are they falling behind? And and again, I'll bring up, do not wait to, to talk to people, whether it's a tutor, it's a doctor, it's a psychologist or people at the school, because all these people can help you solve the problem. That's what you want to do, solve the problem. Absolutely. So there's going to be gaps. They're not going to be taken care of immediately. You can use assessments. A big thing I do is I'll ask parents to send me assessments that the schools have done because that can show a really good picture of things. So showing strengths for people, kids who are showing strengths. There are kids who are well-motivated, like she said, twice exceptional. I'm very well aware of that because I was a gifted lead person as well for nine years. So kids that are showing strengths, look into the gifted programs for your children. And I can help with that because I actually tutor on that and tests that are being given for that. The only bad part about that is you don't get forewarned a lot. So if you want your child to get into a gifted program, reach out to me and we can talk about looking at that well ahead of time. If you think your child might be able to do that. Yeah. Yes. And thank you for you know, reminding us that the health home, right, whether that's, yeah, the pediatrician, a pediatric nurse practitioner, uh, whoever the family goes to and has often a long-term relationship with the child can weigh in so nicely on, you know, what's going on. And something like ADHD, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, whether it is the attention type only or the hyperactive impulsive type only or the combined type, many pediatricians now especially are comfortable making that diagnosis helping you know you get the letters and information that you need to your school so that you can begin that process and even you know beginning the medication conversation whether it's to start right away or it's to wait till some of the accommodations are put into place and so then if there's more that's needed from there more testing often that's where a developmental nurse practitioner or a developmental pediatrician will come into play and then a psychologist like you mentioned, is the one that can do a full battery of testing to determine the strengths and the challenges in a child's cognitive processing, processing speeds, you know, the factor, the way that attention and focus and distractibility factors into that. And then often the way that emotions play into it, anxiety, depression, because that's another combination that you can see very quickly and easily with learning differences, learning disabilities, ADHD, you know, autism, and the, 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 the mental health kind of, you know, umbrella that encompasses a lot of that. And anxiety is becoming really, really way up there close to number one, I'd say next to ADHD in terms of 504 plans, especially now the last couple of years, I'd say. And I'm hearing it from parents, like they'll close their 504s because they think their child has done better and they're trying to take an SAT, ACT, and now they needed that extended time. So parents, please do not close your 504s ever. They should not be talking you into that. You can have a 504 plan with no accommodations. So just sit there as needed until it's needed for something specific. Get it all the way through high school. (laughs) because you never know when you have to (laughs) add in. I had to go to bat for junior her end of her junior year to get accommodations of extended time. She could not finish the ACT. Do you know that when she got it, she, and it was difficult to get it. It's harder to get it later on in your teens years. They're going to think you're trying to up the low playing field. So um, I had to talk to the 504 chair about this. So we had to get the right people in the meeting because <laughs> I'll yes. sit in meetings as a 504 advocate. And right. so I had to call that 504 chair. We had to get the right people in there. She was an advocate herself, the, the student. 
she went to bat for herself too and she she joined us for the meeting and she got the extended time she waited till september to take the test and do you know she jumped up eight points on her act score to 32 that's awesome and she's gifted she was gifted but no i'm pretty sure she had adhd but not really a diagnosis official diagnosis until now (laughs) Right, right, right. So it can show up at any point in your child's journey, whether it's you get the early clues when they're, you know, three or four years old, because it comes along often with other, you know, delays or differences, or it's, you know, getting gearing up and getting ready for college. It can come up at any time. So great, great conversation. So this is a great place to take a quick pause and For more support for your children on social emotional learning and my Be Calm system and supporting children with special needs, including ADHD, make sure to follow the hashtag Calming the ADHD Family on Facebook. You'll be linked to the summit where I, along with 30 other speakers, will join together through the ADHD Village, headed by Coach Laura Don. It will be airing for free February 28th through March 4th. And so make sure to follow the links and search for Calming the ADHD Family to be a part of the free virtual summit. That was the conclusion of part one of our two-part education panel with successful corporate leader and empathetic life and career coach, Amy Kay, who's also the mother of two twice exceptional tweens and educational specialist and founder of nationwide tutoring company, Dynamis Learning Academy, Helen Panos. Please make sure to come back and enjoy the part two next time of our conversation where we talk about how to support children to reach their full potential, regardless of learning challenges and differences. Helen is currently offering SAT and ACT prep courses, along with third through eighth grade online writing workshops. You can search for her at Dynamis Learning Academy, D-Y-N-A-M-I-S Learning Academy on Facebook, where she hosts Facebook Lives and you can be directed to her podcast. We'll see you next time. For listening to Moms Changing the World with host Akua Walker. The information shared on this show is meant for educational purposes only and not intended as a substitute for medical intervention or professional therapy. All views shared on the show are that of the speakers only and do not represent any institution. To be a part of the community, visit www.momschangingtheworld.org. There you'll find ways to connect with and support the moms we interview and find out how to work with Akua as a parenting coach. Join us next time for more encouragement and support to be a mom changing the world, one child at a time, one day at a time. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks for listening.